0: Hello and welcome to ImpactAbility, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by SUCUP Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Today's show is all about cultivation. How do you procure a donor? What to do after they make the first gift? How do you move the donor along the path to becoming a repeating donor? And perhaps a major gift donor? Our guest has some great insight on the subject, Christine Rahill. Christine is an award-winning philanthropy, marketing, and wealth management executive working in the private and nonprofit sectors for more than 25 years. She started up fundraising, marketing, and foundation operations for national and local institutions, including a university, museum, ballet company, and national foundation. Nice wide variety there. She holds a Master of Business in Arts Administration and a Bachelor of Communications from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and the e-commerce certificate from the Graduate School of Business at Loyola University in Chicago, from her office in Chicago, Wow, Christine, that's a lot of stuff. Welcome to ImpactAbility. Thank you, Joe. I'm delighted to be here. It's great to have you. We're calling this the Cultivation Dance. Let me start off by asking you, is it a dance, and should we get on our dancing shoes?
1: (laughs) I like that analogy, because it is a dance in many ways. There's the invitation to dance, and then there's the process of keeping someone dancing with you. It's a process. Wherein we try to get to know a donor, or in this case, dancer. And the more time we spend them with them, the more we learn about them, the more we can build respect and trust and move that relationship down the path to a major donor.
0: Now, how would you define the word cultivation?
1: Donor cultivation is growing a relationship with a prospect or a donor for an organization. And like any relationship, it's based on mutual understanding, respect, and trust. So when we can build a relationship with these three factors, we can successfully move a donor down a path towards a major donation
0: ask. Well, let me ask you this. Who is doing the cultivating? Is it the development officer or are there others in the organization doing it?
1: Typically, it's the development officer. However, it can be the executive director. It could be a board member, a program officer as well. The important thing is that there is a coordinated plan with the relationship management with that individual and that all of the steps in the relationship moving towards a donation are actually documented so that everyone knows what's going on with the donor
0: interesting is there a standard in cultivating a donor or is each cultivation do they each require like a unique approach
1: Well, there are some basic standards, but as a donor is more sophisticated, then they do require an individual unique approach. Uh We do a lot of donor cultivation through our marketing efforts. But when you get to the one-on-one relationships and meetings and phone calls with individuals, that's when you start to set up individual unique cultivation plans for each Mm -hmm. donor. When you're cultivating a donor, what they need from you is information. What is your non-for-profit doing? What is the mission? What are the programs? So part of the process in donor cultivation really is education, in addition to building a relationship of respect and trust. Mm-hmm. So it really starts with education, and then it goes on from there. And then you, as any relationship you have you get a sense of what interests this donor. Is there a specific aspect of what you're doing that you should then talk to the donor more specifically about?
0: I wanted to start our listeners with the first gift. Okay, the very first gift that you get from Mr. Jones, and Mr. Jones has given my nonprofit a first-time gift of $100. So what are the immediate actions to respond, and then how do we get him to long-term cultivation? Great question. Well, of course, the number
1: one step is thanking the donor. Depending on the organization's capacity, it could be everything from picking up the phone and calling them personally, writing a handwritten thank you note. Next step is to try to get them more engaged with the organization. So now we thanked you. How do we get you engaged? How do we learn more about what sparks joy in you for this relationship in this organization? There's many ways you can do that. You can engage them through events. You can engage them through committee opportunities and volunteer opportunities. You can try to get a face-to-face meeting with them to learn more. Face-to-face meetings are really the best way to get to know a donor. That's something that I definitely would recommend for a major donor prospect. We often suggest that development officers choose the top 20% of their highest potential prospects and then come up with a specific
0: cultivation plan Targeted to those individuals. So, Mr. Jones is a school teacher, really believes in our mission. We, we're really happy that he made this gift. What can I do with that information to move this along?
1: Well, one of the things you might be able to assume, based on the fact that he's a school teacher, is that he is passionate about education. And depending on what kind of school teacher he is, probably children as well so you would be able to tailor your messaging to that donor based on those interests and what your organization is doing in the education area and for
0: children interesting i hadn't gone in that direction i like what you're saying tailoring the message are you saying that you tailor the message for all of your donors
1: as much knowledge as we have about the donor we can tailor the message You have to be a little careful there, though, because donors also like choice. So as you might have seen, even just going on any donation website, you'll maybe have somewhere between four to eight options, whether it's an education program or they're doing a endowment campaign or a capital campaign, it's important to give donors options because then we learn more about what are the types of things the donor's interested in. And the more we learn about the donor, the more that we can help them get to make the gift that's the most impactful for them.
0: So now as we talk about these gifts that came in from this campaign that we did, are you ready for this one? We got a check for $100 from Melinda Gates. And I think we all kind of know who she is. (laughs) She's got a few more dollars in the bank than Mr. Jones, obviously. So does my cultivation strategy change because Melinda has more wealth? Absolutely.
1: Someone of Melinda's wealth would move into your major donor prospect category immediately. And after thanking her and recognizing her gift, the next step, you know, would be to learn as much as possible about how Melinda gives. And most of us do a lot of that online, just through simple Google searches, looking up 990s of the foundation that she has and so forth. The more you can learn about where she gives and which types of organizations and what her focus is that better will tailor your solicitation efforts for her in the future. The other thing is many of us use LinkedIn and our own built-in nonprofit networks to see, do we have a
0: connection to Melinda, maybe through another person that could possibly make an introduction. So you're, you're pretty much asking everybody, hey, who knows her? Does anyone know her? Does anyone know Mr. Jones? It doesn't really matter, especially from that first gift.
1: That would be the first topic of my development section at the board meeting would be, okay, Melinda's in, who knows Melinda? Or who knows someone who knows Melinda? Um, and how can we get access to her in another way? Interesting. Now, the other thing is, depending on how Melinda gave, you've now learned something about her as a donor. Did she give as a result of a printed piece in the mail? Was it something that came up on social media? Was there an email appeal? Did she attend an event? All of those ways to give inform you about how a donor likes to give. As well.
0: You are listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast, and we're speaking all about the cultivation dance. And Christine's been sharing some great information. And when we come back, we're going to get into this a little bit more and kind of give you some strategies that are going to help you with your steps of cultivation. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Major Gifts are the ultimate source of funding for nonprofits. They can help fulfill your mission and achieve your vision. Having a strong Major Gifts program should be a priority, but where do you begin? The best place to start is with Sukup Strategic Solutions. We create transformational change by working collaboratively to raise funds. Our fundraising consultants will assess your organization's fundraising capacity and develop a plan that serves as a blueprint for your fundraising success. Visit our website today. At Soukeup Solutions.com and schedule a free consultation today. That's S O U K U P. Soukeup Strategic Solutions.com. When it comes to major gifts, the effort you put in can make all the difference, and Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Joe Turner, and we are speaking with Christine Rahill about the cultivation dance and checking to see how good you are at dancing. So let's continue our conversation, Christine. Many nonprofits have social media accounts and lots of followers. My question to you, can those followers be cultivated? And if so, how? Absolutely. First
1: of all, you know, because they're following you, they're very interested in what you're doing. It becomes the onus on you to educate them more and engage them more and find a way to solicit them for a gift. In addition, social media is often used for donors to share that they've made a gift. We'll often provide a simple tool for our donors to use to say, hey, I just made a gift to this organization, check them out. And so that's another way to use, to cultivate followers of not only the organization, but of that specific individual on social media.
0: Are you thanking them on your social media platform?
1: If I received an online donation from Joe Turner, I would send a thank you with a click through on how to share that they just made a donation on their own social media page. i had done this with this last organization I worked with in Chicago, where we had fundraisers around a specific giving day that we set up to be annual. And we were all focused on raising money within 24 hours. And then we also would set up tools for our friends, donors, and board members to use to set up their own fundraisers on platforms like Facebook.
0: I like the idea of click-through. You're know, you thanking them, but you're also saying, hey, could you share that with your followers? I I, I like that. It kind of helps you spread your mission into their sphere of influence.
1: Just building our network out further and further through social media. It's a very easy way to do it.
0: Yeah, and not too expensive, too. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And what what better endorsement than somebody personally saying that this is the organization that I believe in.
0: Yeah, or the organization had a, a Giving Tuesday or something like that, a day of giving, and I gave $100, and I'm challenging all of my followers to do the same.
1: Absolutely. Working with the marketing department, we put together an entire package around social media So that information could be shared and flowed back through the organization and the donors.
0: So let's talk about the dance. Are there specific steps of cultivating a donor? Things that a nonprofit should do regardless of the size of the gift or the wealth of the donor?
1: Absolutely. Number one, thanking the donor. Number two, recognizing the donor. Whether you have a webpage that lists all of your donors and what they do, or that you acknowledge them at the end of the year through an event, and then you want to engage them further. What about your organization interests them the most? How can you get that information? Can you get the donor on a call? Can you get the donor to meet you face-to-face? The more you learn about that donor, the stronger your relationship will be and the better position you will be to present them with opportunities to invest further in your nonprofit.
0: You are listening to Impactability, the nonprofit leader's podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. We're speaking with Christine Rahill about the cultivation dance. And of course we wanna see how good you are at dancing. So I'm gonna move things along now to the job of the gift officer. What are some questions that a gift officer can ask that might help move things along a little?
1: Well, the first thing I'd wanna know is why are you interested in, in my nonprofit organization? What aspects of our work are intriguing to you and meaningful to you and why? And then you'll learn a lot more about where their heart is, if there is a connection with some personal experience. And then the more you build trust in a relationship with that prospect and engage them in the organization, eventually one of the questions I always like to propose as you're getting close to solicitation is just ask them. Would you be open to a conversation about making a gift to
0: our organization? But don't rush things, right?
1: If you turn somebody off, you may lose them forever. So one of the things most gift officers will do is once the donor has made the gift, give them some space. They've now made a gift. Let them reach out to you about the next steps.
0: I guess what you're saying is have a procedure, have a, have a process.
1: Yes. And, and have good common sense. Timing is everything in life, right? So the donor or prospect has something major going on in their life personally or professionally. That's probably not a good time to have a solicitation or an ask. So find out what is the right time. Oh, you're going to be traveling. How about we get together in three months when you're back from your trip? Mm-hmm. Timing is everything. And also you really need to take the donor's lead. How do they like to communicate? Are they texters? Are they emailers? Are they phone call people? And find out what their hot buttons are, what they don't like. I always have a note in a file about a donor about don't ever contact them in this way because they've told me that that's a hot button for them.
0: Make sure you take copious notes is what you're saying.
1: That's where you really want to have a system that you can gather this information especially for major donors and also for the in perpetuity for the organization because gift officers come and go and the next person in that role needs to understand the relationship that donor has with the institution
0: you know many nonprofits just can't seem to reel in the major donor the one person in town that believes in their mission comes to their events but they just can't seem to reel them in. What can they do to up their game?
1: Research, research, research. Find out as much as you can first, because basically every other nonprofit is doing the same thing. Many of these major donors are very high profile individuals and all of the information is pretty much available online on their giving history. So start with research. Then, as I mentioned earlier, Think about your organization's network. Talk to your board members. Does anyone know this prospect or donor that could maybe make an introduction? And then also be open to having that introduction made to someone other than you, because sometimes they want to talk to the top person, the executive director or the board chair or someone on the board. But the development officer will want to prep that person for the meeting so that they are ready with all the questions that the donor or prospect might ask. And then follow up, follow up, follow up. Sometimes a no really could be just a not now. So don't be discouraged if you get a no. You can always follow up in the future. You may have a new program, a new event a new other engagement opportunity that you could try to use with this prospect.
0: Thank you so much. I I think that many of our listeners probably getting their dancing shoes on based on the information that you've shared with us today. So thank you so much and, and we'll be in touch with you.
1: Sounds great, Joe. Thank you.
0: Time once again for Coach's Corner. This is where we take your questions and pose them To one of our impact coaches and get some answers for you. And today we are fortunate to have as our guest coach, Cheryl Sukup. She is the president of Sukup Strategic Solutions. Cheryl, thanks for joining us. We're going to get right into this one because this is going to be, this has got a tough question for you. I got to be honest. The question is this We are ready to expand our development team and I'm getting ready to hire our first major gifts officer. How do I know if this is the right position? for us. Now, Cheryl, how we do Coach's Corner is we give you five minutes to answer the question and your five minutes starts right now.
2: Thank you, Joe, for the opportunity to answer this question. This is a tough one. With all the different titles, development director, director of development, major gifts officer, development manager, advancement officer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are so many different titles, and many of them mean something totally and completely different from one organization to another. Thus, they may mean something different to the people who you would be interviewing. So I think the first step to break it down into five things to consider, I think the first step would be to think about very critically what you need from your new employee on your development team. What exactly do you need to have done And so think about what your existing team can do. What are the skills and talents that your existing team members have? And are they doing all of the things that they're best suited for? And then think about what else is needed and then carve that into a position, into a list of things or duties and responsibilities that this new person would have. And then analyze that. So The second thing is to take that job description that you basically just developed, or the at least the responsibilities and duties portion of it, and break it down, analyze it, and think critically about whether or not all of the needs of your development team, of your organization, will be met if these particular roles and responsibilities are fulfilled by an incoming person. Then further analyze that job description to see... Is it appropriate for the person that you will hire to do all the tasks that are associated with those roles and responsibilities? For example, what sometimes I see as a nonprofit consultant and coach is that sometimes a leader of the development team or an executive director might look to hire somebody to fulfill needs on the team, but they don't match the needs to that one position. What do I mean by that? I mean that, for instance, if you're gonna hire somebody at a very high level to work individually with donors, you don't also want them to be spending their time entering gifts into the donor database. Instead, you would wanna have the more administrative duties, things like entering gifts into the database and producing thank you letters. You would want those duties to be handled by somebody that is managing your donor database, not the person that is going to be doing the higher level activities of working directly with donors. So that's something to consider before you finalize your job description. Then you wanna consider, if you do have kind of a mismatch like that, can your existing team handle any of the tasks? Do you have some things that you need to have done that you could reassign to some other people on the team? So really think critically about who you already have and what their skill sets are and how to divide up those tasks. All right, the next thing to consider is, do you have the right job title for what you need to have done? So if you're considering a major gifts officer as your job title, consider whether or not that person is going to be forward-facing and working regularly with donors on a daily basis. Is their job primarily to contact donors and schedule times to meet with them? Is it primarily to communicate directly with the donors on an individual basis? Then if so, that's probably a good title for the position. However, if much of the time is going to be spent strategizing around how to acquire new donors and fulfilling activities in pursuit of acquiring new donors, That might not be the right title for that position. You might want to rethink that. And then when interviewing, you also want to get to the heart of what that person's experience is. If a development director means lots of different things to lots of different people and organizations, then you want to never assume that you know what that person has experience doing. Even if it says it on the resume, make sure that you ask probing questions that get to the heart of whether or not they really understand how to do what you're expecting them to do in this position. My last suggestion for you is to consider whether or not your salary is competitive. So the development director position and other associated titles The salary may vary from community to community, so it's really important to understand what your community's going salary range is for that particular type of position, and others with similar names, so that you can make sure that you're offering the right salary for the position and the duties and responsibilities that you're looking for somebody to fulfill. So those are my suggestions for things to consider when hiring somebody new for your development team.
0: That's a tough one, Cheryl. Thank you so much. You handled it really well. And we appreciate you being here on Coach's Corner with us today. Thanks.
2: Thank you so much, Joe.
0: If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter at impactability.live. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And that way, you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Jill Turner. Thanks for listening. And thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.